And now I realize, oh, it's not about me. Like that was about them. It's not that I'm not good enough. I am good enough, but it's a felt sense. So it comes out of you naturally because your psyche wants to heal. Realizations come to you Mm -hmm. that are embodied realizations. So you actually start believing and and you own it instead of just saying it. Midlife ladies. This is the Dear Midlife Podcast. Unapologetic girl talk that will help you remember who you are and figure out who in the hell you want to become. I'm Shelby Bybee, karaoke party queen, single mom, and an extrovert to a fault. And I'm Trinity Greenfield, a wild-haired woman full of sass, sparkle, and a heavy dose of black girl magic. So grab a glass and let's dive into the messy middle. Our next guest, Brooke Ritchie, has led a full and diverse life from living in a trailer park to becoming a nanny to some of the wealthiest people. And Shelby, you know, we've talked about this before. The hard thing is being surrounded by wealth, knowing what is possible, but then we allow our limiting beliefs to hold us back. I know, girlfriend. We know you are out there struggling with some of these same limiting beliefs. And so we loved Brooke's vulnerability to be willing to share her story and how she's had to overcome her own limiting beliefs to live her best life as a coach and therapist. Yes. And Brooke Brooke will say that being a coach and therapist has been her life's work. It chose her. This calling has now allowed her to help countless people to embody their true selves and achieve things that they had feared were out of reach. So the good news is you can change, but girl, you have to take charge of interrupting old patterns and narratives by committing to do the deep inner work. As a trauma-informed therapist and mindset coach, Brooke helps people overcome their own issues of self-worth and mindset blocks so that they can make quantum leaps in every aspect of their lives. Honey, imagine. Imagine what your life would look like if you actually felt worthy. What conversations would you have? Right. Who would you have those conversations with? What what kind of money could you make? Where would you spend your vacations? Who would you choose to wake up next to every single morning? Mm. Trin, I think we need to be asking ourselves these questions. Yes. Like, right? Those like, were what for me. We do? Yeah, exactly. Those were for me. And me. Oh my gosh. Brooke has a master's degree in somatic psychology and works as a registered associate marriage and family therapist. She's certified as a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. Man, that's a mouthful. And is trained in the mastery method coaching, deep transformational coaching, EMDR therapy, and regenerating images in memory. Okay. Okay, Shelby. So let's just say that baby girl has done it all. (laughs) And in this episode, she walks all of us through some of the tools and techniques that she uses to help her clients achieve the freedom and transformation that they seek. Mm. So if you love this show, 
please subscribe and leave us a review. I keep getting notes through like our Facebook page and email that people are loving this show. But girl, when you leave us a review here, it helps boost our show so that other women out there just like you can find us. And now without further ado, let's welcome to our show, our guest, Brooke Ritchie. Today, we welcome to our show, Brooke Ritchie. Thank you so much for being here, Brooke. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to jump in because you have such a wealth of knowledge and experience. And specifically, I noticed that you have a specialty and an expertise in helping people overcome feelings of inadequacy and powerlessness that hold them back from experiencing true happiness. And so I think that this has become a predominant sort of space where people come to in midlife, where they are feeling stuck, feeling inadequate. And so I'd love to know, first and foremost, where do you think these feelings and where in your experience do these feelings of inadequacy and powerless stem from? In in my opinion, um, from the past, from big T trauma and little t trauma. So there's kind of, there's two sort of areas. The big T trauma would be, you know, things that happen like going to a war or, you know, sexual assaults or, Mm -hmm. or child abuse or things like that. Then there's also the little T trauma. So bullying, um, you know, anything that, that kind of builds up over time, anxiety that builds up over time. Yeah. So things come out of the past. And I think if they're not addressed at some point, you're going to have to look at them sometime. And midlife seems to be around the time when things start lightening up, you know, with the kids or whatever. And it's really the time that the stuff, the shadow comes to the surface to be seen and, and repatterned. Yeah. I love that idea. And that phrase that you've just used repatterned. So help us understand how you help your clients repattern their thought processes or thinking about their own self-worth. Yeah. Well, there are many ways to climb the mountain. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've I've done a lot of trainings and I'm also a, a therapist. I'm an mm-hmm. associate marriage and family therapist. I work at an agency that helps victims of human trafficking currently. Oh so gosh. I do a lot of like EMDR and resilience work with them. Mm-hmm. And then I also have a coaching business, mm-hmm. which is a very different community. Oh, of for sure. but, but the same things come up, feelings of unworthiness, feelings of, you know, I'm not safe in the world, all of that stuff. So there are many ways to climb the mountain. I would say doing inner child work, looking at where these patterns first came up, right? Like going back to the past and finding Mm -hmm. like, when did, when did I first feel this way? Because I was born a beautiful, worthy little baby girl. Yeah. (laughs) You know, so many of us have babies in our lives or have Mm -hmm. met a baby and is a baby ever unworthy. Right. No, of course. Right. And we have, we have all been that baby. So it's like, where did I, where did I create this neural network? of, of making things mean that I wasn't good enough or I wasn't smart enough or, you know, enough in so many ways. So once we uncover and we tie back to, okay, I can pinpoint, for example, this moment in time when this was either a big T or little T trauma, and that created this neural pathway that is my current day narrative. 
how do we resolve that? That's a great question. And that's where I was going. There are, um, we create these neural networks, these webs. And so the brain stores memory as anything that's similar to that first, that first event where I made it mean that I wasn't good enough. So if we can working it at the root, going back to the very first memory and, and there is more than likely a loop that's open, right? Like we Mm -hmm. have this, this loop that a parent wasn't able to help us resolve that loop or Mm -hmm. close the loop. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, And so our work is to help close the loop is to go back to that moment and say like, what did you need to hear? What did you need an adult to come in and say and do? And we can just do this internally through journaling or, you know, you can do it with a therapist or a coach or out loud, even Mm -hmm. just speaking it, letting that child release the emotion speaking it out loud and then, and then reparenting it. So coming in with like, actually you're safe right now, you know, offering that part of you a hug, self-compassion. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So many women are so hard on themselves. It's like, you know, critical, you, you didn't do that right. And how can you bring a more compassionate lens? Yeah. I hear what you're saying when you say that loop does not get closed and that we experience these traumas as children and yeah. And then we're sort of stuck. I actually read at some point that when we experience a trauma, our brain catalogs the trauma in a different way. And you're sort of talking about these neural networks. And I heard that, you know, in a normal, healthy memory, the neural networks are connected, all the synapses happen and that you store that in sort of the Rolodex in your brain and as a positive memory. But when you have a, a traumatic experience, those neural networks are sort of misconnected, misfiring, and that it creates almost a wound or a gap in your memory. And so that prevents that loop from ever really healing. And so what happens is that your body still thinks that that trauma is happening because it is stuck in this open-ended loop. And so even as an adult, if you have a trigger or an experience that takes you back to that child um, who wasn't feeling worthy, who was being told they're wrong or bad, then you that triggers this, you know, this injury in your brain, so to speak. And it's really hard to then close that, that gap or that wound, if you will, in your brain. So what I hear you saying is that we, one way to do that is to close the loop and go back. And whether you're writing it out in a piece of paper or whether you're visioning this young child that you were in your own brain, to go back and remind that child that you're you're you are safe now. You are a grown up now. You are worthy and and telling that child what it is that they need to hear. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Um and there are other ways to do that. So it's not just just doing the reparenting work, which is high mm-hmm. you know, I'm of the mind of like try everything. <laughs> like right. if this means your freedom, like go go do, go tap on your face, like do the, t- the EFT <laughs> tapping, right? Like, like do the weird thing, do the hypnosis. Like mm-hmm. hypnosis has been a huge part of my life too. Like oh. we're just, we're, we're, we're going to, we're, we're doing the work so that we can, um, sit down, sit down someone and stand up someone else. Right. Like, mm-hmm. so, 
um, anything subconscious is going to, and that's why we get caught in loops of trying to heal these patterns. The brain mm-hmm. wants to, the psyche wants to heal. The psyche is called to healing. And so you can create, have you ever been in, within the same relationship or the same, in the same situation again and again? And mm. you just, it's because the loop isn't closed from that yeah. early, that early event. Does that make sense? It does, you know, and it sort of makes me (laughs) laugh because, you know, I am in um, self-development. I do personal uh, like corporate training and things of that nature. And often we use this phrase, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And so, but I think that we do the same thing over and over again, number one, either because we don't know what to do differently or number two, that we're just stuck in old habits and patterns. And so I would love to unpack a little bit about, you know, maybe some of the other modalities that you advocate to help break these and interrupt these patterns so that we can close the loop. We talked a little bit about the inner child work, but you mentioned two other modalities that I'd love to unpack a little bit. One of them was hypnotherapy and the other one was EMDR. So um, maybe we can start with hypnotherapy because you mentioned that just a moment ago and tell us a little bit about how hypnotherapy helps, uh, how does it work? Because I think this is something super intriguing because I always just think of, you know, the, the magician on stage with the watch (laughs) swinging back and forth, you're getting sleepy. Mm -hmm. So I'm like a chicken doesn't really work like that. (laughs) Act like a chicken or something like like a chicken. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So tell us how hypnotherapy actually really works and what benefit it has to closing the loop in your, your traumatic brain. Okay. Okay, great. And this is Joe Dispenza's work. So um, if you think of um, a child zero to seven years old, your brain Mm -hmm. is in what's called theta brainwave state. So it's a very slow, magical thinking kind of brainwave, right? Like we're, it's, it's slower. (laughs) Like if you think of, of us as adults, us talking right now, we're in beta, we're high, we're high brainwave, we're processing information quickly, Mm -hmm. but a child zero to seven is in a slower state. A beautiful thing about that is that we can downshift our brainwave to get in a slower state so that our subconscious is wide open. So Mm. when you think theta brainwave, you think subconscious wide open. This is you zero to seven. We're laying down your subconscious mind zero to seven years old, Wow, which is why I advocate doing inner child work. And so hypnosis downshifts your nervous system. Like we go from beta brainwave, which was the super fast to alpha, Mm -hmm. a little bit slower in the flow to theta, right? And then at the bottom would be delta where we're fast asleep, we're unconscious. So that theta is the, is the super perfect time to do Mm -hmm. inner, to do inner work, to do repatterning work. Um, so hypnosis helps you access that. It slows your brainwave down and there's the hypnosis and there's hypnotherapy. So hypnosis is like, you can listen to a, a track. I, I have one that I love for mm-hmm. self-esteem and self-confidence. You can find many, many on YouTube or on the internet. Mm-hmm. And then there's hypnotherapy, which is sort of like we get the client in a state and you're doing therapy as in that theta theta state. Is that making sense? Yeah. So okay. let me just speed that back. Yeah. Thank you. I'm going to run that one back to you. So what I hear you saying, and I'd be curious to know, how do you get the brain into that theta state? But mm-hmm. once you get it there, it's like you're almost setting aside that part of your brain that is in control of maybe that like con- 
control of your rational thinking so that you can kind of get underneath that to something a little bit more subconscious. Is that kind of what I hear you saying? We take the frontal cortex sort of offline and we get it deeper into the brain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do you do that? Um, well through in, in, in hypnotherapy or hypnosis, it's called an induction. So that's Mm. the part with the watch, right? Like we're, we're, we're moving into a trance like state. We're breathing, we're slowing down the breath. We're imagining walking down 10 steps, all the things. So, but really you get into that state twice a day already. So first time is when you're falling asleep right before Mm. you fall asleep, you know, when you're kind of in the magical thinking phase, like you, like a little bit of a dream state, but not quite asleep. Yeah, sure. That is theta brainwave, which is so amazing. So we can do our inner work right before we go to sleep. We don't even need a hypnotherapist to mm-hmm. do it. And first thing when you wake up, right? When you wake up, you're you're not just suddenly online. You're coming out. You're going through that process, theta, you know, delta, theta, alpha, mm-hmm. beta. And so you can do your inner work first thing in the morning as well which is so amazing. That is super fascinating. (laughs) And I'm just having like an aha moment because, well, of two things. I had a morning practice where I would actually pretty much roll over and start journaling. Like That was my morning practice. And so, you know, I found that super therapeutic myself and very helpful to kind of resolving some of the trauma that was actually occurring in my life at that moment in time, I was just coming out of a abusive relationship and really um, trying to reclaim myself and, and sense of self really. And so that makes sense now why that was so healing and so therapeutic is going through that practice, like first thing in the morning. But the other thing too, is like, sometimes I like to take these don't tell anybody out there, but I like to take little power. I work from home power naps in the afternoon and they're like 15 or 20 minutes. It's just like a, flash in a moment in time, but I close my eyes. And those are the craziest moments because I feel like I almost instantaneously fall asleep, but I always have these very vivid dreams. And it is almost, maybe I am in this theta state where maybe my subconscious, like everything that's in my subconscious is sort of bubbling to the surface in those moments in time, because I always wake up from those and I'm like, wow, I had like the craziest dream in that moment in time. So maybe I need to start unpacking those dreams and figuring out like, what is my subconscious brain trying to tell me? Yeah. I love that you said that because you can manufacture theta brainwave by taking a nap, right? Like Abraham Abraham Hicks, right? I don't know if you know her work, um, but she says like, take it if you're like on a, if you're like having a lot of resistance in your life or having a lot of, you know, if you're angry or what she calls it, honorary, um, then you'll uh, then just take a nap or meditate. Like those two things can also down downshift your brainwave so much. Oh. And something I didn't mention is the gamma state, which is really fascinating. Ooh, <laughs> I didn't talk about that. Yeah. So the gamma. So when you're manuf- manufacturing your theta brainwave, we get so in, we get so in immersed in in. Have you ever meditated and you're just so immersed in the meditation? Like you, it's like, you're just there, you're present, but you're still awake, but you're there. And then all of a sudden you're, you have this download, like insight or information comes in. I don't know that my meditation is like (laughs) quite at that level. Um, Yeah. Well, it's something to aspire to. (laughs) I'll say it's possible. (laughs) 
So you get, you get so at ease in your theta state that the brain starts speed. It's so fascinating. Dr. Joe Spenza, this is where I learned it. Uh-huh. it the brain starts speeding up past beta, past alpha, past alpha, past oh, beta, yeah. all the way to gamma. And it's like all this activity in the brain, but it's straight sort of download. It's mm. like, it's like insight or information. It's aha moments that come to you. So, oh my gosh, so it's an argument for meditation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Duly noted. I'm going to jot yes. that one down. Yes. Try that one a little bit Great. more. <laughs> yeah. Admittedly, I got to say my, I got to up my meditation game for sure. <laughs> Um, not no pressure getting divine downloads. There are other ways. There are other ways to do it. Like breath work can help you get there. You know, like there, it doesn't have to just be sitting down, you know, on a mountain Uh oming or whatever. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's so fascinating. So tell us this. So once you get below that, uh, that conscious prefrontal cortex and you're there dwelling in the subconscious, how do you guide or what are you guiding your clients to do to repair or reprogram? I think was the word that you used reprogram those damaged parts of their, their narrative and story or in their brain, yeah. the wound in their brain. What's really important about this is to allow that part of you to have a voice, that part that feels disempowered or sad. It's shadow work. So we're mm-hmm. looking at, or anger, right? Anything at the bottom of the emotional scale where you're just like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate yeah. that. You know, you're just, it's like, um, it's, you, you give yourself a moment of emptying. So allowing that to come up and out. Mm-hmm. A lot of people skip to the good part where we go to mm-hmm. straight to affirmations, <laughs> But yeah. there's a part where you need to just allow that to st- accept that to just like mm-hmm. this really stinks where I'm at right now, and then and then the reparenting comes in. Then it's like, what is what do I need right now? What what resource resourcing can I bring? So what would my sweet let's say you had a grandmother that you loved, like what would my yeah. grandmother say about this? How can I bring more compassion to this moment? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's allowing space for the, the dark, dark emotion, darker mm-hmm. emotions, and then bringing, and then moving up the emotional scale into acceptance, peace, compassion, love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'm doing a little bit of work uh, on that mm-hmm. with my therapist. Mm-hmm, Some good. anger, like deep yeah. anger, a little bit from yeah, from I don't know that it necessarily stems back to my childhood, but maybe it mm-hmm. does. But really, it's from my doesn't... my past relationship, and I don't know if those things are intertwined. I'm sure they often are, but yeah. we are going through EMDR, so I would love to unpack that as a modality mm-hmm. too, because we've talked a little bit about EMDR on the podcast, but not in great detail. So tell us a little bit about what is EMDR? What does it stand for? And and how does it work as a modality to help us overcome and heal these past traumas? Yeah, this is something to do with a therapist. So it's, it's eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing. It's a mouthful. <laughs> yeah. But basically, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> EMDR um, has been a modality, I think, since the 90s, Francine Shapiro created it. And there's a book called um, Getting Past Your Past, if you want to read about that um, a little more, um, written by her. But there has been updated information. I've just 
I've just studied EMDR 2.0. So there's even more information about it, which is really exciting. You move your eyes as you focus on a memory, a disturbing memory. So something that feels like it bothers you still. And, you know, you can identify what's most disturbing past or present, any kind of trigger. Mm -hmm. And usually they're related because of that, that web that I was speaking of Mm -hmm. uh, in the, in the brain, that neural network. So you bring the the image forward of the memory, right? Because mm-hmm. all we have is right now. Everything has happened already in the past and it's stored yeah. in your brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you can repattern what your brain, how, what your brain makes it mean or mm-hmm. how you remember the memory. Yeah. You have total control over what you remember, which is so exciting Yeah, because of neuroplasticity. So anyway, so you do the eye movement. It's called bilateral stimulation. So mm. they thought left side, right side, left hemisphere of the brain, mm-hmm. right hemisphere. You're moving your eyes back left and right, or you're tapping on opposite sides of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, but what they found is that you bring it into the working memory. So you bring it from your long-term memory into what they call your working memory and it's like more recent working memory. And then you tax the working memory. So you say like, how do you spell your name backwards? Do the Mm. alphabet backwards, Mm -hmm. tap three times here and spell hippopotamus at the same time, you know, so you're taxing the memory. Mm -hmm. So it starts to shift and alter the charge of the memory is gone completely. Mm. So it's really powerful and fascinating. I hope that I hope that you're understanding what I'm saying because it's yeah. complex, but it is it's very exciting. Yeah. So what I think I hear you mm-hmm. saying yeah. is you're almost distracting your working memory or brain. Yes. With all of this other stuff. And are you doing that so that you can then think differently? Yes. About this deep-rooted memory that's now yes. come forth. Yes. And to change the meaning that you're making about the memory. So I make it mean, so let's say like um, a, a kid at school bullies me. I make it mean I'm not I'm not good enough. Mm. I, I bring that in EMDR, text the working memory. And now I realize, oh, it's not about me. <laughs> like that was about them. It's not that I'm not good enough. I am good enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thinking. No, yeah. that makes perfect sense. So, but it's a, it's a, it's a felt sense. It's like, it's not just me saying that wasn't about you. It's client sourced. So it comes out of you naturally because your yeah. psyche wants to heal. You said like realizations come to you mm-hmm. that are embodied realizations. So you actually start believing, oh, wow, this wasn't even about me. And yeah. it's, and you own it instead of just saying it, which is, yeah. Which no, is like I totally hear what you're saying. And now it's like super fascinating to me because again, I've been doing some of this work with my therapist. And so mm-hmm. just unpacking the process a little bit and hearing you explain the process is actually helping me understand a little bit about what she's been doing because she'll start with a specific memory. And then yes, yeah, she has a wand or sometimes oh. she has these vibrating pods yeah. that I just hold in my hand and they vibrate right, left, right, left, right, left. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, either way, I, what you're saying is that then that's kind of the distraction to my brain. And mm-hmm. then she calls forth this memory and says, well, how do you feel about that? 
And then she makes me talk a little bit about that and talk a little bit about that. And really things are flying around in my head, like I'm visioning things. They jump from one memory to the next memory, but she's constantly drawing me back and she'll pause the the vibrations or the wand movement for a moment and say, well, how did you feel about that? What's bubbling up for you now? Okay, let's think about that and let's keep going with that. And so every new thing that pops into my head, she takes it deeper and deeper and deeper. But I think what she's trying to do ultimately is help reprogram, if you will, sort of the what the meaning that you're saying that I give to these things. Yes, that is the reprocessing part. So there's the eye movement and then Mm. there's desensitization, meaning we take the emotional charge down to zero, hopefully. And then the reprocessing is like, that's where you make it mean something different. Yeah. Yeah. That is so fascinating. Mm -hmm. So then help me understand if you're able to get through these childhood traumas and Mm -hmm. to unpack all of this stuff. How do you help your clients then like revision or reposition like a new future for themselves. So if I've let go of this trauma that I've experienced in the past, I can imagine that maybe we're still feeling, maybe we're feeling more empowered. Maybe we're feeling, you know, like we are capable of moving forward, but we just don't know how to, or what to do about that. So how do you give guidance to your clients that maybe have helped resolve some of this trauma and how they move forward? A coach of mine once gave me uh, an an assignment to write down what could five dream lives be? So Mm. just kind of like not attaching to any one vision, but to Mm -hmm. explore like what could what could they be? How could it look? And I find that most people kind of know like there is an inner compass. You know, I recently I was like, I'm going to quit coaching and therapy. I'm going to sell real estate. (laughs) Like there was just. It was my midlife crisis. Right, right. Like, it's too happen. hard to do all this. I've just got to go sell real estate thinking like that would be easier, you know, but there's an inner gut feeling like I'm not going to leave this. But it was so great to have someone hold space for me while I was, you know, going through that process. And so I, I think it's helpful to have someone to guide you. Mm -hmm. and, and, and how fun to just kind of like think through what could be possible for me. What, what are some options outside of what I'm experiencing right now? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I find that interesting. I'm sort of, I'm where my brain is going Mm -hmm. is like, I think we have, I don't want to say self-limiting beliefs, but I think that sometimes we don't know what is possible. So it's hard to get outside and think beyond what we've already been exposed to or what we already know. So I'm wondering if there's some sort of brain practice that you can employ to help let go of the boxes that we put ourselves in or help us to use our imaginations more broadly Because I think, you know, as adults, we get so used to the day-to-day mundanity and we get stuck. Somebody, I think um, I was, I was reading a book called Radical Confidence by Lisa Bilyeu and she uses this Mm. phrase called the purgatory of the mundane. 
And I have come back to that phrase a lot because sometimes I think we just don't know what we don't know. Is there some practice that we can Mm -hmm. use to expand our horizons, expand our imagination so we can vision a future maybe beyond our wildest dreams? That's a great question. What's coming to me, and I don't, I don't really know of a practice itself, but what's coming to me is to like, to evaluate who you're spending time with and Mm. to, you know, because you take, you absorb the mindset of the people you're closest to. And, you know, I have a client who she's looking for true love, right. And she's Mm. a very, very successful coach and businesswoman. And, and she's in an environment her friends are not successful businesswomen mm-hmm. and they, you know, she's afraid that she'll have to settle for a, a partner who doesn't understand, you know, her success. And mm-hmm. so we talked through like, what does your network look like? Like, can we expand your network? Can we find other, other options that might, that might other things that might be possible out there? So I think, I really feel like being around a diverse group of people is so helpful for, yeah, just for seeing what's possible out there. If if you're in the exploration of your life, like we, we can get stuck in echo chambers. <laughs> I know <laughs> I have. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You know? So, which is why networking events are so fun. And, you know, even the dog park for me, like going to the dog park (laughs) and like, I'm around all these people I never would ever speak to in my life and getting to understand their lives. But that's what's coming to me right now. And looking for role models, yeah, you know, like that's been really powerful for me, like just to see, just to have like, how do they do that? And who do I have to become to have that too? Like, I have to have a certain co- self-confidence or self-image to, to reach new heights or reach somewhere that I've, that I didn't believe was possible for me. Yeah, no, I think that that yeah. is, I think that's great advice. And I love this idea of even not only just, yeah, exposing yourself, having a conversation or having more than one conversation. How did you get there? How did you do this and sort of patterning your life after, you know, taking lessons learned from their past experiences? But to your point, that does take a shift maybe in mindset. So what is some of the mindset work that you think it requires and and maybe what are some tips or tools that you could advocate to help people shift their mindset about even what is possible. Because yeah, maybe we do put ourselves in a box. Maybe we do have self-limiting beliefs. It's easy for her because, you know, she had the means, she had the education or she doesn't have children or, you know, we, we, I think it's about ego maybe. So Mm -hmm. tell us how we can plausibly get beyond ego and, and shift our mindset to, make things possible that once seemed impossible. Yeah. And I'm just going to be cliche here with any mindset coach, they would say, go to Byron Katie, right? Uh, like yeah. the question, is it, is it true? Is what I'm believing right now even true? That's how things really started shifting for me because I didn't even question. I was so bought into the belief that I couldn't have do or be what I wanted to, because I had to just have a job. Like that's, that was how my family raised me and that's how it's going to go. And then just discovering her work and asking the question, can I absolutely know it's true (laughs) that I can't succeed at this? And, and then it's, you know, she calls it a meditation. Like you're like 
sitting with that question. And yeah, yeah, it came up with the answer was no, I can't know that it's true. Like what else could be possible for me? And that goes back to writing down the five different kind of life options of asking what else could be possible. So yeah. And then doing the inner work, where did this come from? (laughs) Where did this thought come from that I can't, you know, have more money Mm -hmm. that came from when I was a kid living in the trailer park. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) And my watching my mom work her butt off and Mm -hmm. trying to, you know, and so realizing that that doesn't have to be my story anymore, that I can have a new story and it's hard to see when you can't see it, but I encourage you to ask the question, is it true? Yeah. Yeah. So let's, let's just, for our listener out there, let's just make mm-hmm. sure that mm-hmm. she's clear on what those questions are. So the first question is when I'm having this limiting belief, the first question is, is this true? Yes. So basically what happens is you get clear on what you want and then a block will come up. Is it true? Is question number one. Okay. Yeah. Question number two, can I absolutely know it's true? And these are just yes or no questions. Right. Question number three, what happens? How do you react when you believe the thought? And question number four is who would you be without the thought? Mm. Mm -hmm. And then the last sort of piece is to turn the thought around. How can I also, how can something else be true as well? (laughs) When you say, oh, so when you say, how can something else be true? That's like, how can this vision that I have be true? So is that the, what does it take to get to this new thought? Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're having the thought, let's say like, I can't afford it. Mm -hmm. Is it true? Yes or no? Yeah, it could be. Yeah, (laughs) Can you absolutely know it's true? Well, no. Right. And then what happens? How do you react when you believe the thought? I don't go for it. Yeah. I feel scared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And who would you be without the thought? I can't afford it. Mm. I'd be free. I'd, I'd figure it out. I'd be resourceful. Right. Um, And so turning the thought around would be, I can't afford it or how can I afford it? Mm. Asking that kind of question. Yeah. Mm. Have I so gone off the rails? Wisdom. I love that. <laughs> I feel like I got, I went off the rails a little bit there. With no, that. not at all. No, I think that's exactly, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that we love to share are these tips and tools with, you know, mm-hmm. our listener, because, you know, I feel like we're all in this space. We want to be something more. We want to get out of these limiting beliefs um, and we want to think bigger, better, grander. And so I think these are all great questions that we can sit back and ask. And I feel so grateful that you've been able to pull from some of these different thought leaders like Byron Katie and Joe Dispenza to kind of share their wisdom with us as, as we go through the the conversation, it's been so fascinating. And one of the things that you touched on a little bit was a little bit about your story. So if you're open Mm -hmm. to sharing, I would love to hear a little bit about your story and how you've gotten here along the way. What's your journey been? That's a great question. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I grew up with a single mom. I mean, Mm -hmm. I I touched on the trailer park, right? My mom worked at McDonald's, so I was stuffing, you know, toys in the box. Yeah. (laughs) 
Happy Meal boxes after yeah. school, like McDonald's was a part of my life. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then around age 18, I mean, this is more of the money mindset story. Like around yeah. age 18, I became a nanny in okay. Beverly Hills. <laughs> so I went from country bumpkin, right? Like out, my grandparents had an outhouse. Like that's oh, where wow. I was going to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> With chickens and stuff to mansion to getting lost in these mansions mm. not knowing where I was a nanny right I didn't know where the kid was I was like which staircase do I take right. which of the 47 rooms <laughs> is this baby in <laughs> pretty much driving these cars it was just wild it was wild and so I think that really shaped like my my beliefs about money it's like wow okay and are are rich people greedy are poor people greedy you know like mm-hmm. you can question all of these beliefs are rich people happier than poor people i don't like people are happy or people are not happy mm-hmm. whether they're rich or they're poor people are greedy mm-hmm. or they're not greedy like so i got to see that and then i yeah i just sort of started initiating my inner work my i was basically headed down a bad road by the time I was 18, just yeah. wild and, you know, have not having a lot of supervision as a child. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, yeah, I started doing yoga and that's really where oh. my, that's really where things started shifting for me. You know, the body is so powerful. It stores every memory that you've ever had. Mm-hmm energy gets stuck in the, like, if you think of like, when you cry and you hold it back, like you're at work and you don't cry, where does that cry go? It goes in the body and it gets stored. The energy gets stored there until it's released. Mm -hmm. So yoga really started helping me release a lot of, a lot of stuck stuff. (laughs) And yeah. And then I just sort of kept following the somatic path into somatic psychotherapy. So that was where I went to graduate school. And, but you know what I did therapy all the time. Right. I had to, to go to therapy, to be a therapist. Mm -hmm. And like around 2017, 2018, I was crying in the middle of the night. It was like 1am. And I was like, why have I done all this inner work? And I still can't figure out money. Like I'm still broke as crap. Like I am (laughs) right. And like, Uh I can't, I'm just, I'm struggling. And Mm -hmm. so at that moment I was like, okay, I need help. So I, I called a coach. Mm-hmm. And then from there, things started improving because I learned the mindset work. So it's not just therapy, right? It's mm-hmm. both. And like you're healing all the past stuff, but you're also being led into a, a future mm-hmm. and doing the, the mindset work to, to move that direction. So now I have a business, which is really amazing. Yeah. And, yeah, and just go doing my do my thing. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that yeah. with us, because I think that that is so you know, so important because I think I may have mentioned earlier that I'm in learning and development. And I think often we have the interest, the desire, the passion to be better, do better, but we just don't have the how. We just don't know how. And so sometimes we have to lean on other people to help give us guidance so that we know what are the steps to set up a business? I don't know. What does it take? What are the steps to be effective at marketing and selling and getting new clients and and what's the formula? And so I think that's a really important piece of it too. And then you also mentioned that mindset piece. And yeah, so I think those two things go hand in hand. But on the topic of, you know, coaching and mindset, if our listener want 